Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 591. Here's what I would suggest. Don't fixate on goals. Focus on the process that will get you there. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost jump starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Jacques Dallaire. Jacques, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I most certainly am. All right. Great to have you here. Jacques Dallaire is the president at Performance Prime. Over the past 40 plus years, he's enjoyed the opportunity to work directly with more than 750 high-performance motor racing drivers from 43 countries, numerous race teams, as well as several thousand high-performance individuals from a multitude of sports and a variety of occupations, including law enforcement, the entertainment world, and the business community. Dr. Dallaire spends his time between delivering sports team and corporate occupational group performance programs and provides individuals one-on-one programs with high-performance competitors from many walks of life. He's a founding member of the International Council of Motorsports Sciences, a board member of Stand 21, Racing Goes Safer Foundation, and in 2007, he was inducted into the Canadian Motorsports Hall of Fame. That is so cool. In recognition for his innovative, state-of-the-art training strategies and the impact they've had on the sports, And I'll tell our listeners I've had a couple guest erasers on the show that uh, Jacques has helped as well, and that's how we got introduced. So it's very nice to have you here today. Jacques, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your career and and your passion for working with people that like to drive cars really fast? Well, thanks for inviting me, Mark. My path to this sport is a rather uh, unique and maybe oblique one in some ways. I was introduced to the sport through one of the students in a class I was teaching when I was a professor at McGill University in Montreal, Canada. And this individual uh, completed an assignment for the course that I was teaching, and he chose as the population for his target group uh, motor racing drivers. Mm -hmm. And that led me to become involved in motorsport more from the point of view of examining 
the participant and the driver side of the performance equation and not so much the car side. I've had an exposure to lots of very interesting race cars over the years, but I really got into it because of the driver population and have been continuing to do that uh, work now for 43 years, in fact working with many thousands of high-performance people. Well, it's absolutely spectacular, and I'll let our listeners know we're recording this during the Olympics week here, although this is airing in September. When you talk about high-performance athletes and you listen or learn about what is required to compete at that level, and race cars, race car drivers in particular here, since this is cars, yeah, have a very special, unique sense uh, or sets of requirements for how they need to perform and enhance and create a better physical self, self-awareness self of their body so that they can compete at these high levels because of the things that happen inside a cockpit. And I'm sure you're going to help us understand that a little bit more. But as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or some kind of mantra. This is a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and, and your success. And it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So Jacques, take the wheel. Well, thank you. I'd like to share with you What I have found over the last 43 years of doing the work that I do to be a fundamental truth, and I share this with my clients as well, because it speaks to the very issue that sometimes gets in the way of us being able to deliver the best performance we're capable of, regardless of where that performance takes place. And here's what I tell them. In the moment where you must perform, it's impossible to do better than the best you can do in that moment. It's really that simple when you think about it. If we can bring the best we're capable of in that moment, with the knowledge, skill, experience, fitness, etc., that we have, if we're able to bring the best we're capable of in that moment, it's impossible for us to do better than that. Mm. The problem is, it is quite possible for us to do less than the best we're capable of well yes if we if we actually get in our own way and that's what my entire life's work has been centered on helping people to understand how the way they mentally sabotage their own performance Mm. and quite fundamentally how they can learn to get out of their own way you know i love this in so many ways because quite often in other aspects of life other than physical aspects, but just going into meetings, going into conferences, job interviews, meeting new people, dating, whatever it is in life, lots of times we just get in our own way. We just stumble over ourselves for a variety of reasons, right? Absolutely. And you might be surprised to find out that the fundamental root of the problem is the same for everybody. In my experience, having worked with many thousands of people, from all over the world doing many different kinds of things, we all sabotage ourselves mentally in the same way. doesn't matter what language we speak, what culture we're from, how old we are, whether it's a man or a woman, or what our job is, we shoot ourselves in the foot the same way. Is there an underlying reason why we do this? Yeah, absolutely. And it stems with an overriding concern and even fixation on results because results are really, really important to us. I have never had anybody approach me in over 43 years of doing what I do and say, my goal is to be a loser. I'd like to fail. (laughs) Can you show me how to come in last this weekend? 
Uh, yes. <laughs> Everybody wants to be successful. Now, some people don't know how to be. Some people aren't willing to put the work in necessary to become successful. Some people don't believe they can be successful, but everybody wants success. There's nobody that wants to be a failure. There's nobody that wants to lose. And that's because results are so darn important. Think of every competitor out there, whether you're operating a business, whether you're a firefighter, a law enforcement officer, or a race car driver, or an enthusiast driving your car in a closed circuit situation at a track day. We all want to be successful. We want to do the best job we're capable of. So the question isn't, do we share the same goal? Because I think it would be fair to say that only someone who's got a few bolts loose upstairs would actually desire to be a failure. Mm -hmm. So the really important question becomes, how do we create success? How do we make results the best that they can be? Mm. It's as simple as this. A times B equals results. I call it the performance equation. It is fundamentally true, it is universally applicable, and it is in fact infallible. Now, if you're interested, I can tell you what A and B actually represent. Of course, we all want to know what A and B represent. (laughs) Yes, please. A in this simple equation represents what I bring to the party in the moment my performance is required. The knowledge, the skill, the experience, the fitness that I might have at that moment is what I've got. When I'm on the starting line or pulling out of pit lane for a race, the knowledge, skill, experience I have in that moment is what I've got. I can't reach back into my cockpit somewhere, pull out a magic wand and and wave it to have more. I've got what I've got. Now the question is, do I play those cards to the best of my ability or do I get in the way? But even if I'm successful at bringing the best I've got to a given situation, let's call it a race, Mm -hmm. am I guaranteed to get the result that I want? If I bring my absolute A game to my next moment of performance, regardless of what it is, am I guaranteed to get the outcome that I want? Hmm. That's a, a difficult question, although I would say, no, you're never guaranteed. You're never guaranteed. Because if it were the equation would simply read A equals results. And it doesn't. It's A times B. So what are the B things? Yes. By definition, the B factors are all the things I can't control. And as soon as there's even a single other competitor in the equation, I introduce a B factor, something that I cannot control. Oh, yeah. So the truth truth of this equation is this. I cannot control results as much as I wish that I could. Because I can't control the things that I can't control. What's the only thing in the equation I can control? The A. The A, yeah. And I think many times for us, we get caught up in the B. Because we start to believe we can control those things when we really can't. Is that what you found? And we also can't. can't, we, We start to worry about result. But we don't realize that we can't control result. When has... I'll ask a couple of simple questions, and we'll move on. Yeah. When has the act of worrying about a result ever made the result better? (laughs) Yes. Despite the fact that many of us worry far too much, it never has. Not since the dawn of human civilization. Yes. When has the act of worrying about failing ever made failure less likely? Never. Never. Same answer. Yes. And the reality of it is, 
a lot of people, we all, in fact, worry and focus, fixate on results and worry about might, what might derail those results while we're engaged in doing what we do. And fundamentally, that is how we shoot ourselves in the foot because we end up being focused on the wrong thing. Here's the fundamental truth. Mm -hmm. If we're focused on how we're doing, we can't be directly focused on what we're doing at the same moment in time. And that's what bites us in the buttocks. Every single time. You know, this is yep. really cool. I want to stay on this for just a second here because I think this is pertinent in all aspects of life, uh, whatever it is you love to do. So how do you help people stop worrying about B? Well, the first thing is to help people to understand with some degree of clarity the truth of this simple equation. Mm. If you come to the point where you honestly understand and believe that you can't control results so there's no benefit in worrying about it, you can't control the things you can't control so there's no sense focusing on it, and you realize that the only thing you can actually control is A, what you bring to the party in the moment of your performance, what are you more likely to direct your focus to? Hey. Hey, of course. And the funny thing is, the better we deliver in the moment, are the actions involved in the execution of what we're doing, driving a car, operating on somebody's brain, landing a jet on an aircraft carrier at night in 20-foot seas, the more likely the result will be what we want it to be. <laughs> doesn't guarantee it. does not guarantee it, but it optimizes the chance of it. And that is the fundamental common trait that is involved in the self-sabotage that everybody executes. We are so fixated on outcome because outcomes are so important. We're so worried about failing because fear of failure is the greatest fear that most people possess that we actually end up being focused on those things rather than in the moment the things that matter which have to do with the execution of what we're doing. It seems so simple. It's that straightforward. It's that straightforward. It is simple. It's not so easy to fix, but I'll tell you something else. It's not nearly as hard as you think it is to fix that. Ah. You just have to understand the problem clearly for, as a starting point. And believe it. And, 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 and trust in the truth of it. Yes. Once you do that, I stop worrying about the outcome, and I direct all of my energies to the execution of the process. And what typically happens is two things. The outcome is better. And I have way less stress in my life because anxiety only rears its ugly head when I start thinking about how I'm doing rather than being focused on what I'm doing. Uh. And in every seminar I've ever done with every race team, with every corporate organization, with every occupational group, including the most elite special forces guys, when I ask them what gets in the way in those moments where performance isn't as good as it is in other moments, where what's the difference between those moments of virtuosity and those other moments where you struggle to deliver that superior performance? What gets in the way? And invariably, people, the first thing that comes out of their mouth in the first 10 seconds of me asking the question is something like this. Fear of failure, self-doubt, lack of confidence. Uh, yes, absolutely. That is, in every single seminar I've ever done, the first thing that comes out of people's mouths. Yes, absolutely. 
because we fear failure, because we fear failure, and we focus on how we're doing more than on what we're doing, and we end up focused on the wrong thing. Yes, there you go. That focus word, I love that word too. Very nice. So Jacques, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood, as I like to say, and have you share a huge challenge, even a great failure that you faced along the way. But of course, like what we were discussing earlier, the most important part of this is how did you overcome that situation? What did it teach you so that you could move forward? I would say probably one of the biggest challenges I have felt in certainly my business life, and my business life is part of my life, was the death of my late partner in 1999, Mm. an individual who was my best friend, and we worked together for 22 years in developing the programs that essentially I continue to deliver today. And at the time, we there was both of us pulling on the rope in a given direction, and now I was left to doing it on my own, and I really had to reevaluate what direction I was going to take. And I actually talked to a lot of my clients, the people who had gone through our program when Dan was there, Dan Marisi is the individual's name, mm-hmm. and, and myself, and I, I talked to them about what they found most beneficial, most useful. And that feedback was a direct linchpin in determining how I would shape my business activities going forward. And in fact, it led me down the path that I am on now and have been since 1999 and even before that, but almost fully since 1999, which is to deal with the mental skills side of the performance equation, of the performance world. Mm. Previous to that, we were dealing with both the physical preparation side as well as the mental skills side. And the feedback in in a nutshell that I got was, Yes, the physical preparation stuff was interesting. It confirmed what I already suspected or knew. It was great to get it all consolidated in one spot. But the stuff that I really came away with that I've not gotten anywhere else has to do with the mental skills side of the performance that I, that I must deliver in my sport, in my occupation, and so on. So it was really, again, an issue of correct focus. I was able to tap into the people who had gone through the process to learn from them what they valued the most from our interactions. And that really gave a great deal of guidance to me in terms of what direction I would take after Dan's passing, because now, you know, it's just me. Right. As opposed to the two of us. Well, I'm sincere condolences for the loss of your friend, even it was quite a while ago, but you never really got over those kinds of things. But, the realization that you came to and how to move forward, I've got to think he's very proud of. <laughs> and, and I'm sure you are as well because of so many people that you've helped and you've advanced their careers and moved them forward. So brilliant. Thank you for, for sharing a really personal side of your story. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. You kind of touched on a little bit of one there with the loss of your friend Dan, but uh, is there a moment in time when this career aha moment kind of illuminated your way for a new direction? And tell us the steps you took to turn that moment into a success. Well, I go back to that that situation, that uh, life experience with Dan's passing. And it was really in the discussion with my clients. And I, I probably spoke to 25 or 30 individuals who had gone through our programs about 
their experience, what they got out of it. And it really helped to connect me in a different way to what they drew out of our time together mm -hmm. and what had the most impact on them. And from that point, it was fairly easy to plot a direction that allowed me to fulfill that need, which I presumed to be a need in all of my clients. And, you know, I was aware that, in fact, it was before, but never to the degree that I became aware after speaking directly about it to people. And uh, I think that uh, that aha moment is reproduced essentially with every client that I work with. And that aha moment comes when I can actually see the light bulb over their head turn on, where they've actually been able, as a basis, uh, you know, based on the stuff that we've been talking about, they've actually become able to connect the dots and see things in a different way, and those pieces fit together. And what it, often what happens is that framework that I talk about becomes a unifying framework that allows them to put all the pieces that they know already from other experiences and other things they've read, to put them all into context with each other to understand how the pieces fit together. And once you understand that, you're in a much, much better position to control it. And since that's what my goal is, that's an aha moment that I look for with every client that I work with. I'd like to stay on this track a little bit here because I think it is so important for people in so many aspects, again, outside of, of racing or driving or even your car profession, but in your business and your life. You know, remember my parents telling me a long time ago when I was afraid to try something, fear, false evidence assumed real is what they drilled into my head, what those mm -hmm. letters meant. That's a lot of what you're talking about. So you talk about when you're Patients connect the dots when things come together. Are there some things that you've seen happen when they realize the lack of usefulness of being afraid and not dealing with that B part we talked about er earlier? Is there something that happens in the brain or in somebody's mind that might help some listeners out there realize how to get past that point? I think so. But let me make a couple of points. First of all, you call them my patients. <laughs> okay. They really aren't. They're my clients because I'm not a doctor. I have, a P I have a PhD, but I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist either. My background is actually in exercise physiology. So I have a PhD in exercise physiology. But my focus has been the physical preparation and the mental skills development of high-performance people over the years. Mm -hmm. And I think that the realization comes from understanding how the way we think ultimately influences how we perform. And I created a framework a number of years ago that I call the rules of the mental road. It's a play on the rules of the road. There are seven rules, six key ones, and a sort of a bonus rule. And let me just share with you rule number two, because I think it is the, at the heart of the fundamental issue of how we sabotage our own performance. Okay. Rule number two of the mental road says, the conscious mind can only actively process one thought at a time. Mm, I like that. I can prove it. But for the moment, let's just accept that as a truth. Here's the significance from a performance point of view. And I don't care what the performance is, Mark. Here's the significance of this rule. If I'm focused on this, whatever this is, I can't be focused on that at the same moment in time, whatever that is. 
if I'm focused on the wrong thing, it's impossible for me to be focused on the right thing at the same moment in time. That's the problem, right? Right. Here's the solution. If I'm focused on the right thing, it's impossible for me to be focused on the wrong thing at the same moment in time. Here you go. So the issue is all about the holy grail of the performance equation, which is controlling my focus of attention to be on the right thing at the right time. Let me give you a concrete example. Okay. Let's say I'm out driving my high-performance car on a track day, enjoying the day, driving vig as vigorously as I think the car will allow me to do. If I mess up a corner, and I'm thinking about the corner I just messed up as I drive into the next corner, what's more likely to occur? <laughs> I know exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> I've been there. There's a greater chance that I'm going to mess that one up as well. Of course. Does it mean that I will crash? No, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'll crash, but I, in fact, optimize the likelihood of crashing because I'm focused on the wrong thing. Mm. And here's why I'm focused on the wrong thing. My performance in this coming corner right here and right now is determined by my actions here and now. If my focus is on the previous corner, if my thoughts are deployed, my focus of attention is deployed back to that other corner, where can it not be at the same moment in time? Hit the corner you're going into. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And if I am two laps away from winning my first major event, my first major race, and I'm already thinking about how hard I've worked, how satisfying this win is going to be, what it's going to be like standing on the podium, spraying the champagne, thinking about all the people I need to thank along this journey who have helped me to get to this place. What can I not be focused on as I drive into the corner ahead of me at 100 miles an hour? Great example. Yep, exactly. So if you think about it, isn't it a positive thought? Yes. Winning. It's an excellent thought. What's the problem? Bad timing. Bad timing, yes. <laughs> so it doesn't matter whether the, thought, whether the thought is a positive thought or a negative thought. If it is a thought, if I allow myself to focus on things that are not relevant to my performance in this moment, it will have a negative effect on my performance. Does it guarantee a bad outcome? No. But I have just turned my A game into an A minus game. Right. And depending on how fast I'm going and what the nature of the corner is, I may bend up a lot of sheet metal. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, you use the word focus, which is a word that I love. And there's a great acronym at, to play off the fear acronym, FOCUS, follow one course until successful, uh, which is a lot of what you're talking about is staying in the moment, staying focused, staying on tack. So, uh, I like that. Thanks for helping us all out there. I think there's a lot of listeners right now shaking their heads going, okay, now I've got to put this into play, into practice. I'd love to ask you about proudest career moments. You've been awarded accolades. People love what you do. You've helped so many people, which has to be rewarding. But is there one specific proudest moment in your career that really stands out for you? Yeah, it's happening right now. I am uh, in the process of developing a training program dealing with mental skills for the law enforcement community. Ooh. 
I have been involved with an elite special forces unit for about a year now, and uh, I'm beginning a program with some elite tactical law enforcement groups, and I think it's probably the most socially important work I've ever done. Mm, yes. So the most socially meaningful work that I've ever done. Mm -hmm. I just finished my third book called Performance Thinking for Law Enforcement. Congratulations. Where the goal of that book is to help law enforcement professionals in the broadest sense, and first responders for that matter, understand how to improve their ability to perform their jobs with less stress because the environment today is highly stressful and officers are mentally sabotaging themselves without even realizing they're doing it. Wow. Well, awesome work and definitely timely given what's happened in the world and even our own country, but everywhere. So uh, brilliant. I love that. And I'll, I'll make sure I list your three books on your show notes page as well for our listeners to get their hands on, because I think these would be great reads for those folks out there. Yeah. Besides the law enforcement uh, program and, and looking at pushing that out there, because that's my main mission going forward now, I think. Um, I'm also working with a couple of uh, international level cricket players and some other high-performance athletes in Australia to create a new company over there called the Performance Mentoring Group. And basically, these are world-class, uber-successful athletes who I will upskill with my framework and the information that I can give them to help them to explain to athletes within their sports hmm. how to integrate the mental skills side of performance with the vast experiences they, they have as world-class, multi-gold medal Olympic uh, champions, seven-time world champion in their sport and so on, mm -hmm. to give them more tools to talk to the people that they will mentor within their sports. And there are five or six sports that we're looking at, uh, including in this particular group. So I'm really excited about that, yeah. that uh, development as well. So it should be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very exciting. Boy, you've got your fingers into a lot of different things. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Jacques. I always like the way people answer this. If you were a car, what kind of car would Jacques be and why? Hmm. Well, I'm not a flashy person. And I think of myself as being pretty reliable. Mm -hmm. So I would pick a car that is not flashy, and what I think is as, as pretty reliable. So I think I would be a Toyota Avalon. <laughs> okay. Pretty plain vanilla kind of car. Yeah. Yeah. That's that kind of suits my personality. I'm, I'm kind of a plain vanilla sort of person, but reliable, but absolutely reliable. I can go forever and gets the job done. I like that. <laughs> Great. I appreciate that. So Jacques up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's cars. Yeah. Sponsor. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior? It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's the fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom-patterned vehicle covers, and they are crafted to fit like a custom suit, with over 80,000 patterns available. 
and they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements, and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life. Car covers, front end masks, dash covers, seat covers, floor mats, and much, much more. Covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle. Covercraft is the right choice. I use them on all my vehicles, and your special vehicles will love them too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. And you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, CARSYEAH. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Jacques, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Keep your eyes on the road. (laughs) Yes. Head up, head up. Look down the road. Absolutely. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? I frequently, when I'm facing something, ask myself this simple question at the outset. Can I control it? Ah. If the answer is no, I stop worrying about it and I focus elsewhere. If the answer is yes, I stop worrying it about it because I'll control it. Ah, very nice. Now if I could just figure out how to do it, but I've got to spend some time with you to get that one dialed down. Now I'm going to resource this lots of great resources today, but is there one in particular you could share that you think our listeners would enjoy? I really find the Dalai Lama's Twitter feed um, thought-provoking. Ah. It's a very simple-minded reflections that I think are really target the core of who we are as human beings. And that's at Dalai Lama dot, uh, as a Twitter handle. Yeah. I okay. find that, I find that uh, really, really refreshing in its simplicity. I'm excited to add that to my Twitter feed. Now, how about a book? I know you've, you've written three books, and I'm going to post those books up on your show notes page with links to purchase those. But is there another book you've read by a different author that you've really enjoyed that you think our listeners would enjoy as well? There's a book by Lawrence Gonzalves that I, I found very interesting. It is, uh, I think the title, I'm going to, I might wrestle with the exact title, mm-hmm. but it is called Deep Survival 
who lives and who dies. And it's a, it's a really interesting read because it delves into the mindset difference that, ex- that helps to explain why the 17-year-old cheerleader who is um, stranded in a plane crash in the jungle outlives the, milita- the, the 24-year-old male who's much stronger and more fit who might even have some military training. What's hmm. the difference between these two people? What is it that helps people survive adversity? Hmm. And it fits very well with the mindset stuff that I talk about with the ACT model. But it's a really interesting read if you like that sort of thing. Yeah, no, it sounds extremely interesting. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources on Ajak's own show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type Ajak Dallaire. His name is spelled J-A-C-Q-U-E-S and his last name D-A-L-L-A-I-R-E. And that page will pop up with quick, easy links, including quick clicks to buy for the books he's recommended and all the past books here that have been recommended by guests at Cars Yeah on the resources page called Guest Recommended Books. All right, Jacques, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. If you could have only one collector car, one really cool car in your garage, but don't worry about the price because today I'll buy you anything you'd like. What would that vehicle be? And why? I would have a lot of trouble answering that question. <laughs> um, Maybe I can help you narrow it a little bit between sports car, race car, vintage race car, touring car. Whatever it would be, it's something that I would want to drive around. So a vintage race car uh, probably would a, be a tough one <laughs> a race car those are things i don't have the intestinal fortitude to drive those vi- as vigorously as they need to on the racetrack mm-hmm. so i would say it would be more of a performance oriented car that is drivable on the street Porsche 911, uh, you know, those types of vehicles. Sure. I don't have any specific preference. I'll take anything you'd like. <laughs> oh, so I get to pick your car today. Sure. Yeah. You're writing the check. Yeah, so. that's true. So oh. let me narrow this down. Do you like older cars or newer cars? I'm going to say newer cars. Okay. All right. Well, I think what I'm going to do then, since you did mention Porsche, and I'm a Porsche fan, I'm going to buy you a brand new Porsche 911. S Turbo. Okay, I'll go with that. Yeah, an S Turbo because it's a performance car, but it's got enough luxury features that you can take it, you can drive and get a coffee if you want, go on a cross-country trip if you want. But if you want to go out on the track and maybe one of those uh, clients of yours, as you call them, uh, could help you out with a little performance driving, that'd be the perfect car for it. So that's what I think I'm going to get you today. That'll be fun. Well, (laughs) that would be great. I had a chance to to get a drive... uh, around uh, Spring Mountain Motorsports Ranch nice. in Nevada uh, as a passenger with Ron Fellows driving oh. one of the Z06 uh, cars when they first came out. That was a fun experience. Oh, yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> I, I, did a, I did a two-day driving school uh, as part of something that we were doing there to develop a program. Mm-hmm. And 
that was a really interesting experience for me. And I got to drive those cars and I thought, you know, at some point, at one point I thought, you know what, I'm kind of getting the hang of this. <laughs> I'm actually not doing too badly until I got into the passenger seat with Mr. Fellows. And saw what real speed was like. <laughs> and not only real speed, but what controlled chaos inside of a race car looks like. Yes. Oh, yeah. I thought I was on the edge of control. I had no clue what the edge of control looked like yeah until i experienced it with ron at the wheel so it was a really fun experience for me yeah sounds like a great ron's a great guy too well jacques you've taken me on a great ride today i've really been intrigued and enjoyed our talk this is a very different kind of talk here at cars yeah because we focus mostly on what you do to help people which is great i think i'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there that are very intrigued right now and and want to learn more I want to thank you for sharing your journey with us. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that brand new Porsche 911 Turbo S? Here's what I would suggest. Don't fixate on goals. Focus on the process that will get you there. Goals are important. We need to have goals. But don't keep your eyes firmly affixed to the goal because you won't be paying attention to the process that will actually lead you to that goal. Brilliant. I like that. Very good advice. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you these days? I think the easiest way is to go to my website, uh, which is www.performanceprime.com. And uh, there are links there to information about the programs that I do. And there you can email me from there and you can look at the books and see if anything uh, tickles your fancy there. Perfect. Well, again, listeners, you can find all these links on Jacques' show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type Jacques into that search bar and his page will pop up. I would encourage you to investigate what he's doing. I think it could help anybody and everybody in every aspect of life, whether it be driving, racing, on the track, or uh, in your business or in your, your personal life. Very, very intriguing talk here today. I want to thank you for being here and for sharing your time with our listeners and with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. I really enjoyed my time with the CarsYeah.com group, and uh, I hope people found something of value here that they might be able to use in their life. Oh, gosh, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!